Hey, party people. Thanks for downloading our podcast, This American Horror Story. Here's our final review for the final episode of Freak Show. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host... Chris Eustad, for the last time this season. That is right, everybody, and um, we're sorry for coming at you a little bit later than anticipated. Our buddy Chris here uh, has been at a work retreat all week and then got sick, so it was a pretty bad uh, combination of things that kept us away from you. But I like to think that it gave us time to like mull over the episode and really think about what we wanted to say. It gave me time to yes. think about uh, theories for next season, which I'm excited to share at the end of this episode. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Um, of course, before we, we bust into anything specific, I want to go ahead and ask, what are you drinking this evening? Because it seems fitting. I don't know that we did that. I think half this episode is we were drinking coffee and stuff because it was like the middle of the day. But yeah. I feel like we have to do a toast and cheers to the final episode of every season. Right. I'm having the champagne of beers, Miller High Life. What are you having? What a classy gentleman over there. I'm drinking <laughs> a uh, pale ale from a brewery here in Cincinnati called Rheingeist, which I think is fitting because that literally translates to Ghost of the Rhine. The Rhine, over the Rhine is an area in Cincinnati, and their uh, can, can has like a really awesome little skull on it. So it just seemed kind of fitting for American Horror Story. Cool. Uh, cheers. Cheers to you two, and cheers to the season. So much to talk about, obviously. It is the finale. Um... So many things I'm interested to hear your opinion on and hit you with, like, theoreticals and questions about. All right. But, but I guess um, before we begin, we want to thank everybody for uh, joining us this season, I guess. We've really appreciated it, and we've appreciated all your comments and stuff that have come in. Um, let's keep the conversation going if you want, and you can weigh in on what we, you know, what you think about our thoughts on, um, on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. We've gotten so many awesome comments. seems to be a very big balance of people who... Like this season and people who did not like this season, <laughs> yeah. um, which I appreciate both, and I see the merits of both, so I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. And also, of course, uh, you can you know reach out to us at email or via email at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail dot com, and um, rate us, review us on iTunes and Stitcher. We appreciate it, and by doing that, that's how more people uh, find the podcast and find out about us, and can kind of join the conversation next season. Um, but with that, let's go ahead and talk about curtain call. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. So let's talk about the opener here. Um, we see the... We kind of open with almost... It's kind of a, a flashback a little bit, it feels like, to the beginning of this season. When, remember, um, I think Jimmy and Amazon Eve and maybe Paul were rolling out the um, signs with Bet and Dot on them. You know, the two-headed signs that she, when she was the new head act. Right, yeah. Except these ones show charismatic crooner Dandy Mott on them. Um, now, a few different things. So, the freaks are in a position where they have no other choice but to work for Dandy. Um, mm-hmm. We we know at this point Jimmy has always had his suspicions about Dandy. Do 
And obviously, Bet and Dodd do as well. Uh, but as for the other freaks, Amazon Eve, Paul, all these guys, how much do they know about Dandy at this point? Are they aware of kind of his murderous deeds? Do you th- I mean, obviously, Jimmy's tried, you know, I guess it's, there's never really been any proof that Dandy was the one responsible for all those murders that Jimmy was framed for. I don't know that anybody knows that. And so yeah. is that still a mystery to everybody else? I guess so, that you would think that someone would have, like, talked and divulged some of the information that they have because for some reason they don't all talk enough with each other to have a realization that Dandy is maybe this evil guy that was doing all those murders. But also, I find it weird throughout this episode that like some characters are missing, you know, where do they go when Dandy's doing his rampage? And uh, I don't know. So maybe they just don't talk and they're not as close knit family as you think they are. I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, and I think an argument could be made that maybe now that the mother figures um, are gone. Oh yeah, they're all lost. A- Ethel's gone. Uh, uh, you know, Ethel's gone. Obviously, Elsa's um, gone. Elsa's now gone. That they're not maybe as a cohesive family as they once were. But at the same time, you know, they really kind of. They band together. together. They band yeah. together when they're threatening Dandy here at the beginning. Um, yeah, he's you know he has always wanted to be a star of uh, dance and stage and song or whatever since the beginning of this season, and he kind of finally has gotten what he's wanted now that he purchased the freak show. Uh, but he is quite a particular performer and is pretty pissed that no tickets have been sold here at the beginning, and he blames <laughs> it was like the thirty freaks. minutes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, clearly some unrealistic expectations on his part. <laughs> but one of the things I wanted to ask you about, the interesting line he says here is, basically he says to the freaks, people don't want to see you anymore. You guys aren't selling tickets. Audiences want a new type of freak. What is he thinking? So clearly he's referencing himself, right? Mm-hmm. So he, he is seeing himself as a freak. But what kind of freak is he? I want to know. I mean, we see him as a murderous serial psychopath. What does he see himself as that he sees himself as a type of freak? That is a really good question. Um, I was going to pose that to you as well. Um, but it's some type of a different spectacle. Um, I, I can't, I, don't, I guess I didn't have time to, to think about it enough before moving on to what they do to him. But the, he, yeah, the, some, some different type of spectacle is all I could really come up with. And maybe it's like a murder on stage or something like much more realistic and graphic and disturbing than just oh, I don't have legs, or, you know, my hands look like flippers. Mm-hmm. Something something a little and more I mean, serious. What well, and something more internal. I, I think that he's still thinking about the, his, I think he's aware of his, quote-unquote, freak, you know, his freakishness, his internal freakishness. But what we perceive as him being, you know, a, a psychopath serial killer, he is thinking of himself as an immortal god. So maybe that's, his right. freakishness is being immortal in his in his eyes. I also want to say and that doing what his destiny Amazon calls for, him blah, blah, blah. Right, right, all that. Whole oh, hell yeah. Things. But yeah, that was loved awesome. Amazon love Eve punched him in the face. That was pretty badass. <laughs> and then they all step on him and hold him down. Yeah, so and then they obviously threaten him, and that is kind of what sets off his insane rampage. Um, so let's talk about that. After he, after they threaten him and he kind of gets that weird look on his face, that kind of music box mu- music plays in the background. Did you notice that? When he was humming or before that? Bef- I think it's before that. I was I think it was like right after um, they quit. He's kind of like, I think, is Getting it dressed. as he, I think it's when he's putting his makeup on. Yes, um, I remember then. Yep, yep. And it's playing the, like the music box music in the background and it reminded me 
what it reminded me of is Twisty. And in my head, because, you know, he always had those little um, music box things that would walk and stuff like that. And what it made me think of is, okay, Dandy's bringing back the evil clown, which is almost like his alternate identity, although it's really all him. But like his right. murderous self was coming back to do a rampage. Um, so he, he's applying makeup for the show, which is his slaughter of the freaks, this rampage he's about to go on. There's so many things I want to talk about here. First of all, did you notice the parallels? He is applying makeup to go to this rampage. And this rampage is so reminiscent of Tate's rampage in season one. Remember, Tate is even having With has makeup face. on. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. With that skull makeup. Yeah. Did you... Is this what you thought was going to happen? That he was going to go on this murder, murderous rampage? I, you know, I had a feeling at different points in the season that he was going to turn against the freaks. I didn't think it would be this disturbing and this you know categorically murderous he kills essentially everyone i didn't think we'd lose everyone that being said this is probably one of the most disturbing and beautiful scenes i think the whole season it was so like oh it was so stressful but it was so awesomely shot i mean the cinematography was pretty impressive um and it was it was shot in a very scary way and with like the bird's mm-hmm. eye views and things like that. Oh. Um, and when I just, this, the minute that Paul the gets shot, that it's just like they do well. A shock to you, kind of. Yeah. Um, part of the thing that kind of bugged me about this a little bit though was it just seemed like a. I don't know. I you would have thought maybe they would have done something more creative here because they've already kind of done a rampage in the past in season one, and maybe yeah. the point was to be a throwback. You know, we talked to the makeup and everything, but at the same time, Dandy in some ways has been more creative in his sadistic murders. Um, like, was it a baseball bat that he? Who did he kill with a baseball bat? Was that Matt Bomer? Am I remembering that correctly? Um, I don't. I remember it was in the trailer, but I don't remember what he used. But I mean, I think he did use the gun, obviously, to kill his mother. But it just seemed like a little bit spent. But you know, I guess I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt by saying, at the same time, I think maybe they were going for a throwback to season one. That same kind of feeling. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Tate was descended from Dandy's family or something like that. Would be a tie-in. I don't. But I think it's too late for us to know. Like for them to tie that together yeah. for us. Also. Something what I thought was interesting is he's wearing red and white. He has a red ascot, red vest, red pocket square. Um, we've talked about red and in, in the, the color, camp, yeah. And also all the pinstripe tents. It's like he's in camouflage as he's walking among these tents too. Right. Uh, but man, when he shoots Paul and Penny, like it's oh. so dramatic when he goes by person by person. We see them all get shot. And yeah, did you know what is? He, did you notice what he's humming during this scene? Uh. Yes, and I remember what it was. Now I can't remember what it was. Is it? It's from. Uh, oh crap! What is it? Do you know? It's from the Sugar Plum Fairy, isn't it? It's yeah, like, I say it's a Nutcracker. Oh, okay. The dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy, something else, right? But it, that's in the Nutcracker. So the Nutcracker is yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. It's, but like, um, isn't that song like the March of the Soldiers or something like that? It, but uh, it was. I mean, he's basically. <laughs> You know, he, he wears all this makeup. He's making a production out of it. And, you know, the he's always wanted to be a star of, of stage. And in his in, in his mind, maybe he's finally gotten to the point where, like, 
this is his stage as like as a murderer and as he his performance is killing people um right. which is kind of horrific when you think about it in his perspective it's just so fucked up i guess i don't know yeah i mean when he just penny's shot when she's crouched behind the the um the laundry there and then you just see the splat of the oh my god so gross so disturbing but so kind of a, a poetic sad you know i don't mean i don't make want to make it sound like it was this amazing thing that was beautiful but it was just artistically done i know and, what you i know what you, i know what, exactly what you mean and um yeah it, you know it feels wrong to say, to say that but that i think that was part of the disconnect the discord you know the um the dissonance there is that it is so beautifully it's something so vulgar and so terrible that's shot so artistically it, it kind of makes you queasy in that sense because it's so unsettling yeah. and then the whole um i mean the legless lucy or Susie, just mm-hmm. hiding behind all the small things that she can and then, and then not getting away and then amazon eve that one really hurt me okay so there obviously a moment of suspense there when desiree's hiding and amazon eve essentially martyrs herself for desiree do you think she knew desiree was in there i, I like to think she did I think because so. i like that and for yeah. amazon eve better um yeah She's just like a kangaroo. Like she's so like long limbs and like. It was a bummer to me though that like little Dandy she can't she can beat the shit out of the strong man but Dandy ends up winning against her. But I guess yeah. Dandy also had a gun. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that one was particular. I mean, they they were all very graphic and upsetting, but that one in particular was um, yeah. disturbing for me when we lost Amazon Eve. It it may, it finally kind of the opposite of redeemed dandy to being this villainous person who I absolutely hated again. Cause there's a, there's a few episodes, you know, after he stopped murdering people and started being his whiny little bratty kid that wanted to buy the, um, or wanted to be a part of the, uh, freak show again, where I was like, all right, you're not as, now you're just a spoiled brat. But then after this happened, I'm like, okay, I hate this mother effer. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you, He's been, he, you know, pretty horrifying all all season, but it's like, obviously, just the, the senselessness with which he does it, and like the his lack of empathy are just so apparent. Like I said, it's very unsettling, and I think that that was intent. It was intended to be that way. Um, I would say probably this was among the most disturbing scenes of the season for me. Um, other ones up in there include when um, Twisty tries to kill himself with a shotgun i thought that was really that was disturbing to me i forgot oh yeah and there might have been something else too oh maybe the snuff film with um yeah when elsa gets her legs cut off is pretty graphic too i think the tarring feathering of uh, penny's dad was pretty ugh also yeah the well i think those would all be there was a couple (laughs) key scenes like that where that just like send shivers down your spine but this was definitely one of them and it was definitely heightened by that um I don't know the cam. The way the camera work was, it just kind of made it feel like there was nowhere to hide, you know. Yep, yep. That was it. Was really well done. The suspense was there. I felt like I was in a horror film again for once. <laughs> it was pretty scary. Right. And we see that in um, a different tent, he has tied up uh, Bet and Dot. And when we got to this point, did, what did you think he was going to do with them? You well, you 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 answer. What did you think was gonna happen? 
I mean, I thought maybe he was going to... I don't know. You could still tell, I mean, the way he kind of talks to them and everything, he still had this absolutely um, oblivious compa- you know, compassion toward them. And I thought maybe he was going to like chain them up and make them into like well-treated sex, sex slaves. slaves or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and they are his slaves in a way. I it was get, hard you to know, tell. They're just not... But obviously he ends up... Um, marrying them but before we get there i let's i this is definitely i want to do the elsa storyline second i want to kind of follow the whole dandy storyline all the way through because i think the elsa storyline takes us more to the end obviously yeah um so we see jimmy return with his new prostheses and you know we we kind of see it seems like dandy must have like cleaned up all the bodies and piled them obviously in the big big top for some reason or maybe he had his henchmen do it who knows but Jimmy, um, when he finally finds them, just gives a gut-wrenching scream here. And I had to ask myself, and I'm going to ask you, what is he thinking when he sees this? I mean, he's already lost his father. He's lost his mother. He's lost the love of Maggie. his life. But at the same time, he kind of lost Maggie before he physically lost her because he kind of, you know, when he found out that she was kind of responsible for, you know, the death of Ma Petite and stuff like that, he pretty much gave up on her then so but this is everybody else this is the rest of his family and i at this point he probably didn't know that pet and dot were still alive and he doesn't know that desiree's still alive all he sees is this mass of bodies right right i think he just sees his whole world is completely gone now everyone who supported him and he whom he supported is is gone that's it did you feel bad for him though that's the big question not not too much i don't know maybe a little bit but not as much that as when I saw maybe Desiree come out and just be devastated, even though they were only her people for a couple months or however long this timeline actually is, um, but I, I maybe it's maybe it's Jimmy's acting is wasn't as solid, even though I think he's pretty good. Uh, Desiree was the one who sold me on the emotion of losing the magnitude of losing all these people. I agree with you a thousand percent there. And when you see Desiree arrive and they embrace, and it's like her being upset is what I found mm-hmm. to be. Much more compelling. And I think part of the reason is when Ethel died, they made Jimmy's reaction to it so ridiculous with the whole fat lady thing. And I know they were trying to be like, that was just so irritating to me that it was like, it seemed so over the top and didn't really make sense for the character to, to me personally. That I just didn't feel any sympathy for him, even though these terrible things had happened to him. And so it's hard for me to feel sympathy for him now. Agreed. Um, but I think you're right. Desiree, thank goodness, kind of brought that. Because, um, I mean, we really got to know all these characters. We really <laughs> got to know Paul in this season. And we got to know Amazon mm-hmm. Eve and, and feel for him. So it really was upsetting uh, to me as a viewer, as I'm sure it was to you. Agreed. Yep. So let's talk about Benton Dot's wedding to Dandy for a second. Um, all the stuffed animals are in attendance. Uh, it's in his bedroom. They have the harpist and flute, uh, flutist there. A couple things here. Did you at any time like wonder if this was a dream sequence, kind of, just because of how Bet was acting? I was very curious about what the hell was going on. I didn't know, because I didn't think that after all they've been through that they would be able to put on an act to marry him. Um, you know, because we don't, we don't have the anything that connects us from A to B, meaning Desiree and... Um, 
uh, Jimmy to Bet and Dot with this plan because we don't see that connection until as we don't see it until it's a flashback. Right. Um, so I yeah I had no idea. I, I thought it might be a dream sequence. I, that's that's the only rational way I could explain why they would be so into him all of a sudden. Well, and I almost wondered if. Um after we found out that it was true, it was kind of like, it makes you wonder if maybe they were trying to um, throw us a curveball a little bit because they'd done that kind of um, with the flashbacks before that maybe by having them act, act like so unnaturally that they maybe they made it, they were trying to make the writers were trying to make us think we were seeing a flashback when really we were seeing what was really going on. And it was just really well done acting by Ben yep. Dot and especially that geez. Um, also it was very, you know, I think there was a particular emphasis put on the part where they say, tell death do us part, because we knew that Dandy's end was coming pretty soon at this point. And obviously he just killed everybody at the freak show, all their freak family, basically. Yep. Um, they give Dandy a few good lines in this part. I mean, he I mean, he had a few good lines throughout the episode at the beginning when he's getting mad about the lighting. But also this part he goes on about getting nasty if his manhood is compromised. Uh, question for you. Is Dandy a virgin? Good question. Um, I don't know. I feel like he is, maybe. What do you think? I think he is, because I don't think they've given... I'm not even sure he... I think Part of why he likes Bet and Dot, I think, is this um, this image of purity that they, they he's formed in his head around them somehow. I think yeah. that he... I don't know. I, I get the feeling, and I mean... I'm not even. He says that he loves Betten Dot, but I'm not even entirely convinced that he's straight necessarily. He, he's just kind of asexual. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I definitely. I think, yeah, I don't think that he. You know, his attraction to Betten Dot is not physical by any means. I think it's representational. You know, um, right, right. Because we know his his what he likes is to be in control and have power. Mm-hmm. And when he starts to lose that, his patience, which is super thin he flips so when things don't go his way and he's not in control of what's happening he'll start killing mother effers <laughs> who knows maybe if he got laid he would have let out some of that tension yeah seriously uh but let's talk for a minute let's paint the scene here where um they're at the dinner table on opposite ends after their marriage uh dandy is talking about how they're gonna go on a honeymoon safari and shoot some he's gonna shoot some giant Cats, Cats, I guess. <laughs> yeah, skin them. <laughs> He's uh, such a little boy. When, um, of course, this is when we get the return of Desiree and Jimmy as the fake French trained cook and the butler as Dandy. Uh, basically, they roofied Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I do think yeah, it's funny that be- before this, he's talking about the, th- the freak babies they're going to have, and he he's got, he wants to have a three-headed girl. <laughs> well, we can sure try. <laughs> um, but oh, he also shoots Desiree in the – or no, he gets sh- – sorry. He attempts to stab Desiree, and she shoots him in the shoulder here. Um, no, Bet shoots him. Oh, Bet shoots him as he's trying to stab Desiree. But he has right. like a, a surprising amount of energy as he's kind of like – yeah, becoming disoriented, and we get his little his perspective a little bit, which is kind of rocky. Um, so that's when they do the flashback to show that you know Bet and Dot had worked with Jimmy and Desiree. I thought that I thought that flashback was really poorly done because it was like 
It was silly. I, it was unnecessary, I feel like, too. It was unnecessary. And it kind of, see. I mean, it would have been implied anyway that obviously they would have had a way to connect somehow. Yeah. It just it just felt like maybe the writer's like, well, how are they going to know how we got from A to B? And so someone was yep. like, let's throw this completely unnecessary scene that like is just going <laughs> to confuse people in there. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about the giant uh, dunk tank mm-hmm. um, that Dandy wakes up in. So we had a little bit of a um, foreshadow for this when uh, Chester was looking through all the old materials and pointed out, you know, this is right before I think he found the saw box. But he, he says to whoever he's in there with, it's like Paul or something like that. Oh, this is the, it's like Houdini's brother's dunk tank. It's not Harry Houdini. It's like his brother's Har- right? Hardan Houdini or something. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Dandy doesn't even seem to be fully aware of what's going on at this point. I think he says, I'm not an escape artist. I'm a song and dance man. I'm only doing what God put me on this earth to do. He he still doesn't see the um, damage of what he's done. So he thinks that it's his... I, I want to talk a little bit more about this God complex because it's kind of a really interesting, strange freakishness, I guess, because... In like trying to put ourselves in Danny's mind, which is obviously very hard to do. He's a crazy serial killer, but he he is saying that it, he's been put on Earth by God to. Is it to judge people? Is that is he exercising judgment on who gets to live and die? Is that part like what his God complex? Is I think about? so. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. That's why he, you know, when someone goes against him, that's we for the most part, sets out to uh, re- avenge what was wronged against him because he is the way, the, the, you know, he is the savior, he is the messiah. I, I enjoyed, I, I did enjoy the dandy character and I enjoyed all the fun lines they gave him and how weird he was and I thought that Finn Whitrock did an excellent job. Fantastic job. But if we're going to go by this whole God complex messiah thing what i think like to have taken it a step further and kind of playing upon i feel like they already had the bedrock for this that they could have built on it more i wish that they had given him some kind of really weird um moral or ethical or not ethical but weird kind of um like moral you know like some kind of standard by which he was judging people on because if he's on earth to be like the judge of people and decide who lives and dies it was just kind of at a whim like whoever disobeyed him which right. it makes it a little bit boring which i think it, he would have been a more interesting character if he'd been like a fundamentalist of some kind right uh, li- mm-hmm. but i if guess it, maybe go ahead let's say, let's say if, if something ran a little bit deeper than just this superficial spoiled brat that wanted to get his way and somehow decided he was also um, christened by God to do this type of work but without going any further than that it's kind of like, well he's I don't know it's a little dissonant between the two types of characters there it's you know it's not as cohesive of without some type of substantial um, ideology that maybe he would be abiding by exactly and I feel like that's like I said I love the character but I feel like that by having him assert that he was a god and all this and like have it like really that was his real intense belief there should have been more behind it than him just thinking like oh I'm very privileged I'm so privileged I'm a god yes. you know <laughs> exactly it just it just seemed very shallow but then again the character is very shallow so mm-hmm. so as we see him plead with everybody uh, of course he gets the ultimate ending by being 
filled into a jar, just kind of, or, you know, a giant glass case, basically, just like, excuse me, Mopatee, or these other freaks. So he kind of, he meets the same end as so many of the other freaks. Um, We get a great line from Desiree here. Pretty boy, you may look like a motion picture dream, but you are the biggest freak of them all. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, it's, I mean, especially after the massacre, I think it's supposed to be incredibly satisfying to see see him die and he, I mean I think they designed it so you don't feel any real sympathy toward him whatsoever in fact no. the other characters are just eating popcorn and enjoying it as yeah. a movie it was that was a great scene uh, with and, the and they kind of have Jimmy there. give this really freak shall inherit the earth uh, yeah he's given this speech like 10 times already this season yeah uh, they're a little over the top heavy handed with some of the the dialogue here <laughs> so and I want to kind of wrap up this um this section and of course we get kind of the epilogue on all these characters later on but before we get there kind of summing up things at this point i want to talk about dandy jimmy desiree oops hey and we're back so you're about to wrap it up <laughs> wrap up the section right so i want to talk about a few things i want to talk first about jimmy and i want to talk about jimmy slash evan peters and i want to say let's talk about the four other or the three other characters evan peters has played in the series so far um Tate in season one, we have uh, Kyle in season three, and in season two it was Kit. Um, all these one-syllable char- I guess Jimmy's his first two-syllable character, <laughs> name-wise. Um, where does Jimmy line up for you in, res- in context with those other three characters he's played? I think I have Kyle first, then Kit, As w- then Jimmy, Ky- Kyle season one. No, Tate season one. Tate season one. (laughs) Good Lord, no. Tate season one, Kit season two, Jimmy season four, Kyle season three. I would say the the exact same thing, which is why I was kind of terrified when you said Kyle (laughs) number one, because I was like... Oh, yeah, sorry. It was opposite day. He was terrible. I mean, his character was just terrible the last season. Um, Jimmy was slightly better, but I'm going to emphasize slightly. (laughs) I think the best moment I had with Jimmy was when... um, Jimmy was Jimmy and Dell. The scene in the bar, I think, was maybe where I really felt the most for Jimmy the entire season. Um, and I feel like the writers kind of didn't give him enough credit. He they took more risks with Evan Peters. I feel like in the first season, the way they wrote that complex character, and since mm-hmm. then he's just been such an annoying, flat character in every season. Been kind of a big disappointment. Um, how did uh, Angela Bassett's character, Desiree, in this season compare to the um, voodoo enchantress she played in last season? I liked, uh, I liked her last season. She kind of brings that same sass to these past two seasons. Um, so similar characters a little bit. Um, but this one was much more emotional, mm-hmm. I think. I also feel like this one was more lighthearted. You know, we got yeah. more humor out of her, too. <laughs> But she yeah. had some happy moments because I mean let's remember that in Coven she her you know her and her fellow um, witches witches had been like oppressed for however long and everything and and so she was carrying a lot more weight on her back I think um, and didn't she also she, it wasn't hadn't she like sold her soul to Papa Legba or something like that sometimes? yeah oh yeah Papa Legba yeah by like giving babies good lord right. yeah so that I mean she obviously. There was a lot of darkness in that character. Not to say that there wasn't a fair share of darkness in this character, too, but we see that she has a happy ending. 
which was kind of nice. But like Angela Bassett was terrific. I thought she was definitely one of the highlights of of the season. My roommate just walked in. I'm I'm doing my podcast right now. That's my buddy Tyler. Hey Tyler. Hey man. That's Bram. He's our health reporter. I can't hear you because Chris has. Uh, he says hi. <laughs> okay, so. <sorry. laughs> That's okay. No problem. Um, and so, last thing I want to wrap up, obviously, then is Bet and Dot. Well, actually, we have to talk about Dandy too. But Bet and Dot, um, dual heads. Talk for a minute about like the amount of acting talent that would have to be. Oh, Sarah like, Paulson's fantastic. Yeah, she really does a great job. I mean. Did you feel like there was distinct enough personalities between Bet and Dot that like y- you could really tell the difference that w- how she yes. approached different characters? Even in the facial expressions, I think you know, one was a little more naive and one was a little more uh, grounded, serious. And you could when they also, I guess you could tell by the way their head was leaning. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. I think she she was pretty amazing. Did, I mean, you did you? I'm guessing you felt that way too. Oh, absolutely. And you know what I really wish we could find, and um, maybe they'll release this at some point, is like cut it in some way, or see like some kind of outtake where we could see uh, Sarah Paulson doing a scene with herself, because I think that would give us all that much more um, respect for her. Because think of how much she was having these emotional conversations, especially the one after they decide not to be sawed in half. She's just talking Mm -hmm. to herself. And to make that scene, and that was like one of the most real scenes these characters had. And so that was crazy yeah. impressive, in my opinion. Last thing, Dandy. Um, I have so many questions about him, but I want to hear just your overall thoughts on the character first. Uh, I, so, I, I mean, I think I kind of summed it up a little bit. I, I don't like the inconsistency between when he was being a spoiled brat and then when he had this uh, messiah complex mm-hmm. where he got to judge the world and kill whoever he wanted. He there was a there was just a disconnect there, which mm-hmm. was a little disappointing. But when he was evil, man, he was evil, and I thought he was great. He's one. He, I mean, even though I'm saying he was inconsistent, he's probably one of the more consistent characters in the season. <laughs> um, that being said, they, it just it's like one or two steps shy of being a really fully fleshed out awesome villain. Um, but I, I, I'm glad he was there. What did you think about? Because we went into the season thinking Twisty was going to be the primary villain for the whole season, and then they mm-hmm. end up trying to, you know, you know, trying to throw us a, a curveball so and kill off Twisty and make Dandy the yeah. primary villain. Do you wish we'd gotten more of Twisty and less of Dandy, or are you I happy wish, with how it played out? I, you know, I loved the surprise with Twisty going so soon and then Dandy taking over. That that was such a surprise, but also like, oh wow, this is great. But then Dandy never really came to fruition as a full-fledged villain every episode. Um, not that he needed to kill people every episode, but Twisty was just pure evil. <laughs> um, so in retrospect, I wish Twisty had stuck around a little bit longer, but in the moment, I was I liked the surprise twist that he went so soon and Danny was going to take over. What do you think? I I liked the Dandy character a lot. As did you. I felt like he was one of the mm-hmm. highlights of the season. He had so many funny lines. It was very well acted, I thought. Um, as I agree with you mentioned before, I think the God Complex thing, if they were going to go that direction, could have been pushed further. But that wasn't his fault. <laughs> that was a writer, my, one of my issues with the writers. Um, I do wish that Twisty would have stuck around for longer. Because I think that... 
I mean, I like I liked his origin story and everything at that time, but I feel like it did come too soon. I feel like he was so creepy and scary. He had the potential to do more terrifying things before we got to that point. And I feel like him and Dandy could have coexisted longer. You know, I don't feel like one had to die. I don't feel like it's not like they'd spent enough time together that Twisty really had to die to make Dandy a pure villain. I mean, Dandy right. already had that coming from his his father and everything. And I do wish that's kind of what I wish is we got a little bit more origin on Dandy's father. Some mm-hmm. flashbacks between him and Francis Conroy might have been interesting. It might have cool, revealed yeah. more about the character. Um, but I do wish we'd had more Twisty because I thought that that was really well acted, and um, especially without using words. And like I did feel bad for Twisty at the end, but before we Me knew too. his origin story, he was fucking terrifying. And I yeah. just, I mean. What was it, like episode three, I think, or three or four when we lost him? And that was kind of a bummer for me because I feel like at least half the season, it would have been nice to have him (coughs) around. I mean, I still feel like it would have been a twist if they'd killed him off in episode eight. And then just because at that point, we would have thought, oh, you know, the final episode is going to be a showdown between Twisty and everybody else, but would have ended up being Dandy. So, I don't know. I just feel like that they may be... I mean, we know... Finn Whitrock has said in interviews I've read, he didn't know he was going to be in this season that much. He wasn't supposed to be. That was something the writers decided on the fly. And so it was almost oh, like the writers were like, oh, everyone expects Twisty to be the main bad guy. Let's <laughs> let's actually make Danny. Mix it, it up. But I don't know that that gambit on the part of the writers was worth, I don't know, was wor- worth giving up on Twisty so soon. Yeah. But anyway. Um, oh. I have one more question about before we move on to Jessica Lange. Um, with so we see in the end that, um, or we can we go there? The end with um, like yeah, yeah. Theo, Theo finally shows break. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can go ahead and talk about that now. And then so Sarah Paulson's or Bet and Dot end up looking like they're married to Jimmy, which I found was bizarre and like silly. But then Dot is married to Jimmy, it seems like, and in love with him like she was before. And Bet's kind of just reading her magazine like, oh, I think I've heard this one before or something like that. I, what did you think about that? I couldn't really get a good read. I'm going to talk about both those scenes first because I, I want to say about um, the Desiree. I'm glad that Desiree had a happy ending and was married to somebody. I still yeah. don't think, though, that Theo did not need to be in this season. He was a pointless <laughs> celebrity. Excuse me, a pointless yeah. celebrity cameo because we could have just seen Desiree with any random guy at the end mm-hmm. with kids and we would have known she was happy. There was no reason yeah. to have him in the season before this. Um, they almost made it seem like maybe he was going to have a showdown with Dell or something like that. Like, why else would you introduce a different love interest for Desiree? But yeah. completely, completely pointless. So that was a little bit annoying. Um, I did definitely enjoy her having a happy ending, though, because I think she deserved it and it was kind of nice to see that happy ending. Um, I agree with you, though. Was not so happy about the um, Jimmy, Bet, Dot scenario because Jimmy has already outright said to Bet and Dot he does not love them like that. Um, I think that he feels brotherly toward them, and that's what he was trying to express before. I don't think that he... Basically, they forged like a fake relationship based on this familial value or, like, I don't know, maybe they were feel, felt like they needed to keep, you know by freaks they needed to marry each other and be freaks together or something but and and clearly dot you know bet was just resigning herself to be kind of the third wheel in there in dot and jimmy's relationship um i don't know it, 
it it didn't feel genuine to me just because we had made this like I was emotionally okay with Jimmy rejecting Bet and Dot earlier. It was like okay, and like especially because that's like how Bet and Dot kind of grew together was by consoling each other and after they got rejected by Jimmy, you know. That was like right. when they finally kind of came into their own. So it kind of seemed like we were going back on that a little bit and I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, that, that I mean that that's pretty spot on for what I think too. So that was a little bit of a disappointment for me. Also, I mean, it did feel, and I think we had this pointed out in an email or on Facebook, this felt a little bit like um, the end of Asylum, where we kind of have, you know, happy families, in quotes. Except in Asylum, of course, um, didn't Jimmy's um, Alma kill Grace with an axe? Do you remember that? And I so think so, yeah. There, it wasn't quite the happy ending to the same degree that we have here um it was a little too neat too with jimmy and bed and dot that, i guess that's my problem with it like desiree i felt like deserved a happy ending for some reason but there the the clean ending for jimmy bed and dot just didn't seem genuine as my personal sake i know i had bet that they were gonna one of them was gonna lose their head <laughs> so now let's talk about the elsa storyline um so many points to make here. Uh, you know, we we start this episode by seeing Elsa kind of humiliated at the studio. She's been coming for so long until she runs into uh, this young guy, a producer, or no, he's a casting manager. Um, he's a communist, so they like, I guess they bond over both being from Eastern Germany, I guess, or Eastern Berlin. I don't remember that. Um, you don't remember? He he kind of like he said it offhand. He's like, "I'm a communist," because oh. he because he oh, says like, "Yeah, his, yeah, yeah." Because his real name was like Michael Beck and Howard. It was like some like German name, but he had shortened it to be Beck because he didn't want to be recognized as German. But I think that's kind of how they initially bonded. Also, okay, he's a junior VP of casting. This means you know Elsa gets into movies, and we kind of get this 1960 Hollywood real film where we see she's on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and she's getting honored with, you know, three Emmys and she's the queen of Friday night with her variety show. And this is obviously the Elsa Mars that Pepper had seen mm-hmm. on the, uh, the front of the magazine. How did, did you feel like this made sense to you? Elsa being so <laughs> successful? Uh, you know, I like that they kind of gloss over a lot of it just so we don't have to deal with how much of, you know, the trials and tribulations she had to go through. But I don't know what made her show so special <laughs> that, like, we didn't get to see any of it. So we don't really know why it was so successful and why she's the queen of Friday night. She was a garbage performer at a freak show that, like, everybody <laughs> booed and couldn't yeah. stand. <laughs> like, what was she able to bring that was so spectacular? I don't... That's a valid point. <laughs> It that was just not believable for me, um, and that kind of tainted a little bit. I think my view of like what happened from here on forward is they gave us maybe if she, they had made her out to be like a really unfound talent, but it was made pretty clear to us that she was actually terrible and was just delusional about her level of talent. And so what happens next? Just like her being so successful doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of funny to see her do, like, the instant coffee commercials and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And we get some kind of cool cinematography when they're going through the old Hollywood reels and stuff like that. Um, 
Oh, she's also okay. This is the other thing. She's also won gold records for all her like ridiculous songs, songs that she's produced. <laughs> and she's a terrible singer. I mean, maybe if she had been a really good dancer, like we could have imagined that her the manufactured legs from Massimo were somehow almost like enchanted or something like that, or made her like be able to bend in weird ways that no one expected. But the singing we've heard is not good. So why did she get all these gold records? I thought that was dumb. Um, but what we find out quickly is that it's 1960s now. Elsa is unhappy. Um, even though she's succeeded far beyond what she ever expected, what we ever expected of her, um, she's unhappy with her marriage. The guy cheats on her. She cheats on him. Um, he's also she way younger she, than her. She says she's bored. You know who he is? That's uh, Neil Patrick Harris's husband in real life. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Good call. I did not know that. Um, but they want her to perform on Halloween. As soon as they said that, and did you know how this was going to end? I mean. Oh, yeah, for sure. I knew. Uh, um, oh, God, what's his name? The back. guy that comes... No, no, no. The oh, Ed- Ed- Mordrake. Edric Mor- Edward Mordrake was coming back. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you like that or did you... Uh, did you? I thought it was cool. I thought I, it was a great way, way to bring something back from the beginning. I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Well, especially because of these Halloween episodes sometimes. It seems like, the, you know, they come up with these ideas just because it's Halloween and they're one and done. Yeah. So it was, that, that part was kind of cool to have it brought yeah. back. Uh, what did you think about Elsa becoming her husband's dominatrix back at the house? That was funny. I liked it. <laughs> did you think that she was treating him shitty in public because they really were like mean to each other, or was it because like it was part of their sexual fetish for her to like treat him like shit in public? <laughs> I think it was they really were just mean to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about Massimo showing back up at the house. Um, we learned that he was in Nevada building fake houses to be destroyed by atomic bombs, which seems like an awful random thing. I, a lot of people pointed out online that this might be a hint to um, right. <laughs> next next season uh, because mm-hmm. I think there was some theories earlier on that it would have to do something with you know nuclear, nuclear reactions testing. and bombs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but he comes back to basically tell her he has cancer, and I think we can assume it's le- probably leukemia from radiation being all around that radiation and Elsa's realizing that everybody around her is dead he tells her is, is he the one no she doesn't know yet that all the freaks died back in Jupiter I think that no, comes later he from the head of the network yeah. but she does learn that Massimo's gonna die and she feels cursed by having her dreams come true and I guess this is what I was gonna ask you is why does she feel so cursed by having her dreams come true it seems like she would be happy is you it because of but well, I mean, ultimately, we find that she just, I mean, she says it straight up. I just wanted to be loved. And now the, the one last person who could do that is Massimo, and he's dead in a month. I mean, and maybe she feels regrets for how things ended up at the freak show. Because she killed to get where she was at, literally. Well, and she had to have known that by, I mean, she knew what Dandy was. By selling off the freak show to Dandy, it certainly wasn't going to be in safe hands. But, and I, you know, she still expresses regret, I think, for th- from the night Ethel died, even way back then, um, for having, yeah, handed that. Um, so I wrote here that her husband has brought John McCain to see Elsa. He, the guy that played the network, <laughs> like, totally reminded me of Senator That's John true. McCain. 
Um, and he's the head of the network, and it turns out that somehow someone got their hands on the snuff film from back in Germany of when Elsa got her legs cut off. Um, and they say this is going to end her career. She was clearly the victim in these, though. I, that's what I was going to ask you. Is like, why would this be... It seems like this would just be like sympathetic toward her. Why is this like a thing that would destroy I, her? I thought the same thing. I have no idea why that would destroy her. Unless they found a bunch I'm wondering of other maybe, ones she did before that. Well, and that's what I'm wondering, is if that somehow implied that she was involved in all this really kinky sexual stuff before, and that was going to be negative. I, that's the only thing I could possibly think of. Um but I guess it's it's oh interesting insert insert here. They mentioned that a journalist was the hired sleuth that traced Elsa back to the freak show in um, in Jupiter, and that's how they found you know the head, the head of the network reveals that everyone died there. Um, I just was curious what you thought about this kind of negative portrayal of journalists because we've kind oh, of you I, know oh, being journalists I, ourselves and also kind of with. Um, Sarah Paulson's character in Asylum and stuff, they've certainly had our... We've seen our fair share saying, of journalists being portrayed Lana? in the show. I, I don't I know. Or, didn't they say the name, though? Um, oh, maybe not. Or maybe they did, and I didn't catch it. It, it would have been actually kind of neat if it had been Lana, but maybe she was doing more serious journalism at that point than just yeah investigating TV stars. Uh, but... I mean, it seems, it seems like Elsa's genuinely upset by everybody at the freak show by learning about all their deaths. And, I mean, I think she does... You, you have to figure she feels some level of responsibility, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wholeheartedly. And so, after learning about this is when she decides she's going to go ahead with the Halloween show. So, I mean, it's pretty obvious at that point that she's basically planning to kill herself, right? It's like a... Yeah, it's a suicide mission. suicide so we see Elsa Mars Halloween Spooktacular. Um, she sings a song, uh, which the fact that we had two songs in this episode, I totally disliked. Too much. Um, but she sings the song uh, Heroes by David Bowie. So we get another David Bowie song. Did you? What was your insight into using the song Heroes? It, I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't really understand why that song would be sung unless she's trying to refer to the freaks as heroes i don't know that's what I, that, that was my th- thinking is maybe it was like her tribute or her homage mm-hmm. to the dead freaks that she felt responsible for was calling them heroes mm-hmm. for how they kind of stood up um and this is of course when she's singing we get those um the flashback or not the flashback but we get kind of the epilogue to desiree's story and jimmy and ben mm-hmm. Dot's story one other thing I, I noted about jimmy and ben Dot is well they have little lobster boy kids <laughs> <laughs> with two heads <laughs> that would be inter- maybe they would ha- maybe they're gonna have an infantata. Um, oh. So more Drake arrives and it's like with them walking down Hollywood Boulevard is like something I think someone in one of our emails said it was like out of Reservoir Dogs, but it felt very like uh, Ghostbusters to me, kind of with the green mist everywhere and stuff. It was a little like that. silly, yeah. It, it was like <laughs> it was silly, but it was kind of fun. But it certainly wasn't yeah. scary. Um. Mordrake realizes that Elsa's trying to commit a suicide and in his way um, doesn't then want to take her with him to be with the other freaks he's collected. A couple things here. No one else can see Mordrake. Mm-hmm. And so is he a ghost that only the freaks can see? Because that wasn't really clear to us back at the freak show. Um, 
But they can all see they can all see the mist. They just can't see Mordrake himself. So he's kind of a a ghost, obviously. Um, but she gets stabbed and she gets taken to. She, okay, so she doesn't go back with Mordrake. He says she your wakes, place is not with us. Right, you're, and he she gets taken to um, what I suspected to be like a freak show of the damned of some kind. Uh, but all her friends are there, including Ma Petite and Ethel. Everyone is happy. They're also complimentary of Elsa. Um, she wants to know if she has to pay for her sins. Mm-hmm. And Ethel tells her, stars never pay. There's a full house every night. She's the headliner. Um, we even see little Meep run by. What was... How did you interpret this end? Because it, it seems little, like... It was a cop-out. She she's not redeemed at all for what she did. I no. don't understand why she deserves this happy ending. And I was I was kind of hoping that she, like, we would throw in... This would have been the perfect ending to me. I think we were very close to what would have been a very good ending. I wish that the ending would have been, instead of there being a full house, she, like, I wish that that line came where she said, like, there's a full house every night and someone asks if she was the, like, and she asks if she's the headliner and they're like, and they go, Oh no, uh, no, you're the opener or something like yeah. that. Just something that would have just like been like that little bit of tweak that means like, Oh, this is not Elsa's heaven. This is Elsa's like purgatory or, you know, this yeah, is right. Not perfect, terrible, not terrible, but like just not great because it just would have been perfect for Yeah. It would have been perfect for that character that like her hell is something so um, superficial and, ridiculous yeah. like that and so I, I wish that that was the ending we would have gotten because I don't understand what the message was that the stars never pay message I mean maybe right. that was supposed to be I mean in some ways that was part of the message with Dandy was that he had all the money and stuff to be this person in society that didn't have to pay for anything but he did ultimately have to pay for it in the end he got killed and so I didn't understand what the message was with that Elsa it- you know, it reminded me of Coven, the ending of Coven, when um, she ends up with uh, um, Danny Houston's character in the Naughty Pine uh, cabin, and it's just like her idea of hell, except this is the opposite of that. Right. I, I kind of Maybe that would have been too similar to do that again, but I think I kind yeah. of would have enjoyed it if we'd done that again to her. So, Naughty Pine again. <laughs> Somewhere, I think they say something like, which star shine the brightest? Elsa was the brightest and best there was or ever will be. Um, she gets this ovation from everybody. So part of me was wondering, is this... So this is this was originally supposed... Or, like, this was supposed to be Jessica Lange's last ever American Horror Story episode. So did that mm-hmm. play something into it? Was this partly, like, um, Ryan Murphy doing a tribute to Jessica Lange, maybe? Could be. Could be. I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't either, but I've actually heard rumors that maybe she's second thinking this being her final season. Yeah. Um, it sounds like there's a there's a buzz going around, but I mean, maybe at the time when they filmed this, that was still the thought is that it was, she was 100% going to be gone. So maybe it was kind of a tribute to Jessica Lane. And of course, she sings Life on Mars again to kind of end things off here. Um, I guess my my question for you is how did this measure up as an ending for you? I think my standard was very low for what to expect. So because I had such a low bar, it actually exceeded it. <laughs> but primarily from the front half of the episode, which it was much, it was like scary, disturbing. It was a thriller. There was a lot of uh, tension. I, I thought it was really well done. Um, and then mm-hmm. the endings, like you said, a little too neat. 
some are a little too happy, and all is forgiven really quickly for uh, for our main character there. So ultimately, it was good. I feel like I liked the more Drake aspect. I just didn't like abs- the 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 happy ending for Elsa because I didn't feel. I, you don't like Elsa? I, did you like Elsa at the end? I guess that's what it measures up to. Do you? I mean, did yeah. you want her to be happy? Because I didn't. I didn't like her. I didn't. Even if she feels bad about all this stuff, which I guess is supposed to be like, maybe that's supposed to be her redemption. Is that like she wasn't even happy when she got all she wanted? But that was her own fucking fault. I just didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I mean. Her regret and her remorse when the, when the freaks would die was always something that I that I try to remember, because that is the only redeeming quality about how she treated them. Because she really did care, even though she was very self-absorbed, and narcissistic, and ambitious. Um, she didn't deserve this ending, that's for sure. But I think I still liked her a little bit. I liked her enough. We'll say I liked her enough. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I did not. I did not <laughs> feel for her character. I mean, I, I think Jessica Lange's a terrific actress, but I just don't feel like. I didn't feel sympathetic toward her when she was humiliated at the TV station because she wasn't talented. So it was like, why would she think she was in? T- <laughs> it was just like a sense of false entitlement, yeah. which re- it was exactly what Dandy had. You know, it, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel sympathetic toward her. I wish that she would have been in some kind of hell at the end. I feel like that would have been more entertaining mm-hmm. for me. Um, so that was a disappointment for me. Um, before we rank up the seasons here, I want to... Well, first of all, so let's rank, Let's rate this episode. How many sad clowns did this get? I give it a four. What do you give it? I give it a four, too. I give it a all four, right. too. We'll give okay. it a solid eight. So it's not the best we've certainly ever given. Um, but no. it certainly wasn't the worst episode this season, either. No. Um I want to know before we talk about yeah how the how the different seasons rank up in comparison. Favorite moment from the season. It was one of the saddest ones, but I really thought the episode to this this finale where Dandy goes on his killing spree. It was just so shot well and so gut wrenching because we've you know those characters were the ones I cared the most about the the uh, peripheral freaks there because they they were fleshed out enough that and they did the writers didn't go too crazy with them probably because they didn't have enough screen time which is a blessing with these writers in this show that we get just enough with um, them that i cared a lot about them much more than i did about Mm -hmm. jimmy or or uh elsa or um even ethel Mm -hmm. so i would say that the 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 sequence the the massacre what's yours there's so many good scenes to choose from. There was a number of ones I liked with Dandy. Um, I liked the scene with Dell and Jimmy in the bar. Um, I liked the scene Sarah Paulson did with herself uh, right mm. after they decide that they're not going to be sawed in half. But I think if I have to... And I, I want to say I really appreciated John Carroll Lynch as Twisty. And when we see his origin story, I thought that was very moving. And I was impressed with the acting in that. But... The specific moment that I think, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, stood out to me the most in this season. Um, 
would have to be Pepper's episode, actually, which is ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I bitched and bitched about that. It, it wasn't horror, but it was... It was a great I don't know, story. Lo- looking back over it, I was har- like... I think what upset me at the time what it happened was it just seemed like it wasn't connected to anything, and I still don't think it was. But mm-hmm. I love how insular it was. I thought all the acting was terrific, and it was so, like, horror in a very different kind of perspective on horror, just like something really dark and sad. And I also liked the tie-in to Asylum. Um, I don't know. I, the Pepper episode really was so I pointed. Agree. It It shined for me. After all this, like, looking back... That, that might be my favorite beautiful. episode of the whole season. Was episodes or Pepper's episode? I, I I would probably agree with you. That was great. I I almost feel like I would go back and maybe change my whatever rating I gave in that episode and even give it higher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about that we didn't talk about. Um, just measuring up um, a couple other characters. What's your feeling on Michael Chiklis? This was his first season with us as Dell. Oh, do you want to see him come back? I would be very happy if he did. I thought he was solid. I liked him a lot. Do you want mm-hmm. him back? I do, especially toward the end. I came to like him more when he became more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you... Uh, Frances Comroy lost too soon, as always. Um, yeah. I would say she was among the ones where I wish... Like Twisty, I wish we'd had her for longer because she's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you feel about Maggie? Would I mean... Eh, I mean, I think this is the best I've liked. Um, um, what's her face? Emma, Th- Emma Roberts' character. She was good in Coven, too, but it was she was playing kind of herself in Coven, I feel like. So this was... Okay, she's not never a standout. I liked her better in Coven because I appreciated the... The sassy... Kind of bi- the yeah. bitchiness. <laughs> this, I just didn't believe her in this role, really. Um, and frankly, especially after this season, I feel like it might... Evan Peters, I might even be okay with him not coming back next season. Because I think they need to give, give him a timeout. <laughs> Yeah, he needs, I mean, and it's, I don't know that it's his fault. I think it's maybe the no. writers are trying to put him in a corner. But, I don't know. I'm not particularly happy with it. Stanley. Um, I had a question about him. about him. Is, is he still a little nubbins guy, like, stuck in that little crib or what? The new meat? That's, that's a good question, unless Dandy killed him, which actually Dandy, Dandy probably killed him, right? He yeah. killed everybody else. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like him a lot. Um, oh, crap, what's his name? Dennis O'Hare. Dennis O'Hare, yeah, I think he's great. I would be very happy if he was back. I really liked, I liked his character this season. Um, he was really creepy as the burn face guy in season one, mm-hmm. but I, I liked him better in this season than I did as the butler last season. Um, yeah, he was just like his weird quirks with like the really stupid, like prostitute that he had with him, and like how weird he was about his giant dick was <laughs> yeah. like yep. entertaining. He was just like a weird, entertaining, quirky character. Um, I actually, yeah, I liked him a lot. Um, and so I think that's covered. I mean, I, a lot of the freaks I would like to see come back in future roles. And Neil Patrick Harris, I think, would be fun to see. Yes, uh, he's it, great. Like, be more prominent. But obviously, he does. He's you kind know. of a big star. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, so is Jessica Lange and so is Kathy mm-hmm. Bates. Maybe he would, you know, if he's not on Broadway or something, maybe he would consider being yeah. the primary in a season. Although, Zachary Quinto, I missed. That's exactly who I was going to say. I want him back. He's mm-hmm. great. And Dylan McDermott, I like, too, mm-hmm. frankly. And Connie Francis. Connie, uh, Connie or, sorry, Connie Britton, Connie Francis. Is You're Francis old. Conroy, yeah. yeah. Connie Francis is like a singer from the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> You're just combining Francis Conroy uh, and Connie Britton. That's funny. Um, okay, so now I want you to rank the seasons. All right, I thought about this long and hard. I'm still two, then one, 
and I'm so torn between three or four, which one's, which one's next? I like them for different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but two and one are still like head and shoulders above the other two seasons, I think. Um, I don't know which one I would pick right now. I think I have to sit on season four a little bit longer and let it marinate before I can judge it as better or worse than season three. What do you, how would you rank them? One is always yours. Uh, Murder House is always my favorite season. Asylum is always second. So you and I concur on those points. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. As for how to line this one up with Coven, <coughs> the thing I have to say about Coven is that it was supposed to be campy like it was. Um, this, mm -hmm. this season often felt like it was trying to find its identity. It wasn't sure whether it was lighthearted comedy. It wasn't sure whether it was drama. It wasn't sure whether it was horror. There was elements of each. And I think that if this season had been tighter, it would be my number three. Because it's sometimes, like, I feel like there was such potential with Twisty and with Dandy. And it just seemed like with this season, the writers wrote it as they went along. And if they had, there was so many good moments, but the cohesive story wasn't great. And I have so many mixed feelings about the, the season finale. It's like... I think I'm going to go one, two, three, four. And the reason being, I just feel like this, and I, I mean, I felt like this about season three too, but it almost felt more reasonable because of the way it was um, supposed to be kind of that campy feel. And I don't know. There was so many frustrations. There was just so many frustrations I had with this season that as like individual moments, there might be individual moments from this season that I would rank atop like the individual scene, scenes from this season. I would rank up top with individual scenes from other seasons, but as a cohesive piece of work it's hard for me to put it anything above the last it's yeah i have to say unfortunately which is too bad um do you want to see jessica lang come back next season if she would you would you rather them take a break from her or do you That's want to see good, her back i don't know i don't know because i i love her and she's fantastic but it might be what the show needs to shake things up and not have um what's his face fawn all over her and give her this rich character that basically right. basically Ryan Murphy lets Jessica Lange do whatever she wants. He like she writes her character. So they need to go back to what they did in season 1. Did you feel I, I was going to ask you to rank your characters next. And I was going to say did you feel like Elsa was a little bit too similar to the character she played from last season? Oh, they were yeah. both very vain. Um, I mean mm -hmm. very selfish. Absolutely. I mean yeah, yeah she had a German accent yeah. and her origin story was different but yeah, I think there's a reason why one in season one and two work so well for us because those characters are, are so drastically different from each other, but also from the characters in three and four that Lang plays. If I was going to rank my favorite Jessica Lang character, Sister Jude, I think would be number one. Mm -hmm. um, then the Constance, Constance would be number two, and then these two I feel like are. I guess I'm going to say number three just because I like I I liked um, what was the name of the witch she plays in season three. Well, I like her her witch character better than I like um, her Elsa character just because I like the way it ended more. I felt like she she was not a good person and deserved to have a good ending, and she didn't in that season. And so I appreciated that more. Mm -hmm. So that was – or um, okay, so it was Cordelia and Fiona. She was Fiona. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would choose Fiona just because of her, like – that the hell she ended up in was so perfect for her. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that was a much more uh, stronger character arc. 
What do you think between your just going characters? I, I agree with you across the board, I think. Yeah. I might I might flip flop Elsa no, I don't know. I don't know. I just season three had so many issues with their the way they had a different villain every episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get, that part I do appreciate more about this season, but I I don't know. I felt like that was more supposed. To, that's like what they were going for. It just felt more intentional for me in season three than it did in this mm-hmm. season, if that makes any sense. So the final thing, of course, we want to end on, and maybe the most fun thing, is discussing what our ideas are for next season. Now, I want to. Um, Revisit a couple things we talked about. Now, the big Easter eggs that Ryan Murphy has intentionally pointed out is um, this top hat stamp that has appeared on a few different things. It appeared on a coffee cup, I think, that gets handed to um, somebody early on. And then it appears later at the uh, diner that Jimmy goes to. It's on the menu. And I think it's also during the um, scene at the the little toy shop that where... Um, the head is on the... During, tw- during Twisty's, yeah, origin story, we see the top hat, this, like, top hat stamp there, too. Um, so I'm going to talk first about the ones, the theories that have already been put out there, and then I'm going to see what you think is most likely, or if you have any additional ideas to add, okay? Mm-hmm. The ideas that are, the... The ideas that are getting the most traction on, like, Reddit and online different places... The top one is called Operation Top Hat. I think we I did mention this earlier. I think in an early, early on in the season, um, this was a, a, a U.S. governmental secret operation that happened in Alabama in 1953. So this would be one year after the end of the events of Freak Show, at least the events in Jupiter where every, the massacre takes place. The U.S. Army Chemical Corps uh, tested biological and chemical weapons, including mustard gas and nerve gas, on human subjects, basically. And so a lot of people have thought that this would be an interesting way to go with the CISA. Um, the other one that's out there is Area 51 as a potential one to bring aliens back in some kind, or nuclear testing. Obviously, we talked about that. Uh, there's been a buzz that maybe they would film in Santa Fe, and we had Mossimo talking about the nuclear shelters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, of those three seasons, which do you think is the most likely, which would you most like to see, if those were the only ideas? So here's what I want to see. I want to see more of uh, the nuclear testing and people who may have survived that, a la The Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> That's what it, it's been called, The Hills Have Eyes Theory. Good yeah, call. and I really want that. Um, I think that'd be great. Also, that could take place in the 70s, uh, which is one of the decades we haven't hit yet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, when The Hills Have Eyes came out originally. And that I, that's such a scary, like a family on a, I don't know if it, it's probably not going to be exactly like that. But I think that would be an awesome uh, series, season. What do you think it's going to be? I, I don't really want to see the Operation Top Hat one. Um, just because that feels almost too close to a mix of Asylum and Freak Show. Because, you know, you, it was it basically be taking the Dr. Arden concept of him doing human experimentation mm-hmm. and Asylum to create all the freaks. Well, what do they call them? Raspers. Yep. I mean, I feel like we already had that a little bit, human experimentation. So yeah. I kind of don't want to see that as a new as a, a whole season. I feel like the nuclear testing could be... I mean, it would still be kind of people um, turned into freaks to some degree by humankind, but I think it would be a different take on it, a unique take on it. So I I think that would be cool to see too. Um, I think we should note that normally whatever the new season is, is revealed during Paley Fest and that happens in mid-March. That's not that far away, guys. So keep your eyes open. Do you have any other theories 
about what could be coming next? Not really. I mean, once I know the cast, that's that's so exciting when they'll they'll tell you what the premise is, and then you find out who the characters are going to be, and those slowly trickle out. That's when I start getting excited and start coming up with more ideas. So I don't really have any right now unless I know who's going to be in the cast. Do you have any? I I do just because I was trying I was really trying to think of like a top hat and come up with as many ideas as I could. It doesn't mean these are good ideas. I'm just gonna throw stuff out there when I do word association when I do word association with top hat. Um, Abe Lincoln is something I thought of. <laughs> Abe Lincoln, and I also found out that during the Civil War there was a um, an infantry unit called the Black Hat Brigade. So we could do something kind of Civil War era, but maybe that would be like way too period piece and. I don't really know what the horror aspect of that could be, but I was just mm-hmm. brainstorming anything. Um, I was thinking magic. I was thinking maybe Harry Houdini because we've played, obviously, with mm-hmm. Houdini a little bit. Um, but maybe that's too similar to Freak Show with the stage aspect right. and everything like that. Um, so it would be hard to think of what the unique take on that would be. Another hat, or another idea I had was Freemasonry because um, I did some research and it's, uh, I learned that in Freemasonry, top hats are often associated with the position of worshipful master as they're the only member allowed the privilege to wear one or another appropriate head covering to signify their leadership within the lodge. It is also common for worshipful masters to receive top hat related trinkets and gifts on either the day of their installation or as a going away present. In other countries, especially uh, within certain systems in Germany, top hats are worn by all members of the lodge. So I was thinking of this as almost maybe like a secret society. Yeah, kind of that, thing. yeah I can see that. Um, so that could be an interesting take, too. And, it, it, and that feels like a little Da Vinci codish to me. And the final thing, thing I thought which would be very, very different and maybe too different um, if they wanted to jump back to modern day, was bla- the ter- term Black Hat Hacker, which there's a new movie coming out, I think, that has like oh yeah, Black Chris Hat. Hemsworth, yeah. yeah, where it's yeah. about. Um, but a Black Hat <coughs> Hacker is basically a, someone who violates computer internet security maliciously or for illegal personal gain. So I was thinking, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, did you see the most recent Bond movie where uh, Javier Bardem plays the villain yes. and he's like yep. a cyber terrorist kind of? Something like that, but maybe on a more personal level, maybe just like a really terrible cyber bully or something like that. I think it could be pretty terrifying. Yeah, they could so, do it. That'd be much more modern and less supernatural. Right. So I think that there would be that would be super unique. So that was, I was just trying to think of some kind of um, interesting take on everything. So anyway, um, <laughs> those those are my my ideas and. <laughs> If, if anyone else has more ideas of what you think it might be, throw them online or let me know what you think Tell of my us. ideas. Yeah. If you think that my ideas are stupid and ridiculous, I agree with you probably, but go, <laughs> ahead, and, go ahead and throw them in there too. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess to wrap things up, it's been great discussing the season with you guys. Chris and I do love this show. Um, we do yeah, have we another do. podcast that we do about House of Cards. It's very different. We do love that show too, and that will be coming back, I think, at the end of February. So... Um, follow us on there and I don't know uh, we'll look we're looking forward to next or at least I'm looking forward to next season and I assume yeah. you are too so you can I mean jump on Facebook and we talk all the time about when new news comes out uh, for the upcoming season so we're, we're not we're not dead during this in between time we're, we're still involved and you can bet as soon as we learn about what the new setting is going to be we'll be posting that on there so yep might be worthwhile to follow for sure. Uh, anything else we've missed that you want to talk about? No, I'm just sad it's another season's gone. <laughs> I know. But it feels like I feel like it's Groundwell Tread. I think that we yes. really discussed a lot. And um, Okay. Uh, I'm gonna end with which freak uh, which freak will you miss the most of our of our like side character freaks. I'm talking Amazon Eve, Paul, mm-hmm. Mapatite, Pepper, and um, 
I'm missing uh, Legless Susie. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Ma Petite because she made me feel so happy and warm, even though I love Amazon Eve. <laughs> what about you? I thought I thought you were going to say Amazon Eve, too. Um, yeah. I, I'm probably Amazon Eve. I thought she was a lot of fun. So I, cool. I actually, I actually really, I thought Paul was a really good actor. Paul's um, great. I, I, I feel like we kind of had his storyline go for a ways, and we just kind of left him. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I thought the, the guy who, or who played Paul was awesome. Um, but so was Amazon Eve. So they were. Yeah, they were I would love for them and, to come back for another season. That'd be cool. I, yeah, I, I hope they do come back for other seasons because that was that would be really cool. Yeah. But um. Okay. Right. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, people, where or Chris, where can um, everyone kind of stay in touch with you once uh, now that the podcast is going off air for a while? Twitter and Instagram at Chris Husted and Snapchat at the Chris or the Chris Husted. Which, oh my gosh, I've had so many people follow me on Snapchat <laughs> since we announced it last week. <laughs> Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at TJMouse11, and I'm not going to give you my Snapchat because, <laughs> no offense to you guys, but I don't, unlike, unlike Chris, I don't want to receive random pictures of people's junk. And so, <laughs> I think I'm better off. Um, as always, while we're off air, keep the conversation going. Family, uh, or excuse me, Facebook.com slash This American Horror Story Podcast. Email us, This American Horror Story at gmail.com. Rate us, review us on, um, Stitcher and iTunes Um, and I guess for now until next season guys happy hauntings